0: All right, this is Into the Fray. I'm Austin. And I'm Berlin. There we go. Okay, (laughs) on this episode, we have my dad on the podcast. And...
1: Carl. Yeah. (laughs) We're having my dad on the
0: podcast. And maybe I've mentioned it a few times, but my dad had struggles with addiction when I was growing up. He kind of relapsed not too long ago, like two, three years ago, something like that. Three. Three three years ago and we get into that we we talk a lot about addiction because we even talk about like he mentions like struggling with workaholism workaholism i think i'm saying that right
1: workaholic
0: yeah he was a workaholic and like he, he talks about that and he talks about even discipleship and not feeling like the church really prepared him to be a christian long term and what it's
1: like coming back to the church after something traumatic?
0: Yeah, yeah. And it, it kind of was nice, like because I just got done editing it, listening to some of it because the stuff I'm learning in the book I'm reading right now, "Practicing the Way" by John Mark Comer. Plug. Uh, he he's talking about how when you get saved, kind of the only thing the church really does for a lot of people is just say. Okay, you're safe. Like, we'll, we'll baptize you. We'll give you a cool t shirt, maybe, if you're lucky. And that's it. Like, you got your ticket to heaven. We don't have to do anything else now. And what my dad kind of pointed out was that's basically the kind of the treatment he got. And what it did was it didn't prepare him to follow Jesus long term in the hard times. And so, as he's, you know, continuing on with life, hardships happen and he goes to cope with them and he doesn't really understand how to follow Jesus in this tough situation so he just goes back to what he's used to which is the drugs and the alcohol or the just the work and the busyness. And even he talked about how the church kept him busy and so it was like replacing one drug for another of if he's addicted to work and the like, the church didn't have any tools to help him deal with that addiction they're just like well just be like use that addiction at church be busy at church and so they just threw him in a bunch of different places and again it it didn't actually deal with some of the character maybe deflect defects that he was struggling with I thought that was nice if you're on Instagram you don't like and subscribe
1: no you follow and yeah.
0: like. Yeah, you follow and like, and do that on Facebook as well. We'll put those links in the description. And we have a blog. That link will also be in the description.
1: About knowing your dad now and trying to look. Like, hearing his story mm-hmm. versus knowing him now as someone who didn't know him before.
0: Yeah. Well, you've known my dad in like, over one year, maybe? Yeah, go ahead going on too yeah so what would you knew my dad before like or you didn't know my dad before you knew my dad after all this stuff Mm -hmm. what was your perspective of him
1: i would have never thought that like looking at your parents you would have never thought there was any type of hardship because they're like happy fun, lucky people yeah and then you hear the traumatic story like you tell me the story and then you look at your dad and you're like you can't comprehend how that man like the man you're looking at was that low at one point and yeah how it, like he's changed so much that you would never even guess like you'd be like nah he has no like well, trauma even, looking at him
0: like i struggled with depression growing up and it was shocking how many times he mentions being so low and him like contemplating
1: suicide.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, I only edited the like back hour because mm-hmm. it's like a two hour interview. I only edited like the back hour today. And in just that back hour, the amount of times he mentioned like pulling a gun out and contemplating suicide and stuff like that was crazy. I was like, dang, I don't even. You it
1: didn't mean, even I didn't hit. Think- yeah. You look at him and it's like, no.
0: No, he's like one of the most energetic, happy people you will meet.
1: He he wants to compete with you if you can go, jump rope better.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like that that's like he talks about working in youth group growing up like a bunch of different times and he like he even uh worked with children's ministry. And the reason why is because he's basically like a grown child. <laughs> like he, he's he got this very like childlike spirit to him. And then you think about all the things he's went through, and it's crazy because you're like, well, I would have never guessed that person would have mm-hmm. contemplated suicide or struggled with addiction the way he did.
1: It's like you can't judge a book by the cover. His cover right now is very like happy and colorful. Yeah. But the moment you turn those pages, they can be dark.
0: Yeah. But then that's like the beautiful part of it, too, is you're like, wow. I don't know. That, that's just like the beauty of getting to know people is you. First glance, you may like them or hate them. But usually, once you get to know them, you start to understand, like, the complexity of them and what they've been through, and you find things you can relate, relate to them on, but also things you can, like, admire about them and their growth and all that stuff.
1: And even knowing your dad for basically two years now, it's so hard to comprehend. Like, I've heard his story a million times, and still, like, it's not comprehensible of how that happened.
0: Yeah. But that's the interview for today. We thank you guys for listening. And this is Into the Fray. it mean to go fishing
2: what does it mean to go fishing yes well it depends on how you look at it if you look at it in a worldly aspect it means to go and catch fish that you eat if we are looking at it as a biblical standpoint then it would be to go as jesus said to be fishers of men and that would be to go and try to reach lost souls
0: no Huh? Is there a third option, where going fishing maybe means you walk through the woods and you be careful who's in front or behind? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. There's other there's other reasons. Okay. I mean, is this how we start this? Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, going fishing. Um, that's I see where you're going with that. That would be a a, a terminology. As you would say, uh, how my daddy brought this up. If there was someone that you did not like, or that you had anger, or wanted to get revenge, or whatever, um, you would just take them fishing. In other words, two people go to the woods to go fishing, but one comes
0: out. And <laughs> Berlin's just like, okay. All right. So, when were you born? what year? Uh, 1969. Okay. And mom and dad were both in the picture. Yes. What was their relationship like growing up? Um eventually they got a divorce, but was there at first when you were born was there like a more romantic part of it or
2: Um it it was good as far as I remember. Um, I don't never remember them fighting in front of us. I I think more of the the alcohol kind of drove Mama away. Pretty much, I believe, that's what it was.
0: So was Dad an alcoholic and Mom, she didn't really drink at all? Or was it more like she knew how to handle or have control over it? Well,
2: I ain't going to say she had control over it, but she didn't let it control her. And what I mean by that is, yes, she would go out and she would drink, but it wasn't every-weekend thing. Yeah. You know, Daddy drank. He, when he went to work, he worked. He didn't drink at work. When he wasn't working, he was drinking.
0: What was your grandparents like growing up and, like, the extended family?
2: Well, Daddy's mama was the only one alive that I remember. And Fast Nancy. Fast Nancy, as they would call her. Um, she would uh. We, once she moved in Lizella, that's when we started going to her house a couple of times. Um, we didn't spend a lot of time there. Um, don't know why. Uh, most of our outings would revolve around Mama's um, side, pretty much. Yes, my daddy's brother would come over once he got out of the service and stuff like that. We'd hang with his kids, but... Most of the time, it's, to me, it seemed like, or it felt like, that we was always going to Florida to my mama's daddy's house. So, and it's always at Christmas time. So, usually we would do Christmas, we would load up everything under the tree, in the vehicle, mm-hmm. and then we would go and do Christmas at his house
0: in Tampa. Growing up like a real little kid, so real little Carl, mm-hmm. how would you describe yourself? And let's, I guess let's paint the picture a little bit more before you describe yourself. You have an older sister and two younger brothers. Correct. And you're the first boy in this family. It, it, yes, that's right. Um, I don't know.
2: we We didn't have much, but when you're not focused on it, you don't realize it. Yeah. So, I mean, we would play with bricks. I'd rather play with bricks and turn them into toy cars and play with the Hot Wheels. So, yeah. I mean, that's just the way we was. We uh,
0: You don't know you're poor until you see what Rich is. And then you're like, oh. We're, well, we're, even even then, even, I mean, other
2: kids would have, like, Walkmans and stuff like that. And then we see, it, I mean, it might have popped in our head. I mean, it's a long time ago, dang. Yeah. So what I was thinking then, I really don't remember. But I don't remember it being something that I grabbed a hold of or that we grabbed a hold of. Yeah. As far as, hey, they're better than us, they're richer than us, or anything like that.
0: I would think it's like how growing up, me hearing your story constantly, I just assumed every dad had, like, a a story about drinking and drugs and all that stuff. Until I got older when I realized, oh, no, that's like my dad's story. Not every other dad, like, had a history with drugs and alcohol or you know had like this violent upbringing or anything like that like but me growing up hearing that all the time in our house like about your story I was like yeah that, that'd that be normal that's normal for every dad right until you go and talk to other kids dads and they're like nah I'm a I'm an accountant right? Like <laughs> I went to college <laughs> yeah I, I mean we was whatever you grow up with is your normal
2: Exactly. I mean, you don't realize how unnormal it is to live in a family that where the dad is always out of town working and he's always when he's home, he's always drinking. But he's not a slobbering drunk. He just drink like you would sit around and drink water, he would do that. I mean he just drink his beer. When it's time for bed, he'd go to bed. So um, there was only a couple of times he probably went out. I remember once we woke up and he had a bandage on his head. And it's where he got in a wreck and he got DUI. He was too drunk to drive and he wrecked. But, uh, I mean, there was a couple of little instances where uh, it got the best of him, as far as them getting out of control. Um, but you don't realize that that's what, that ain't what life's supposed to be. Yeah. Because that's normal to you. You don't know sin is sin, yeah. Because you don't know
0: a sin. A baby, a, a kid doesn't know lying's bad until the parent says, "Hey, what you're doing is lying, and that's bad." Correct. Like a kid just comes out naturally. I mean, you, you just naturally lie. You don't have to be taught how to lie. Yeah. All right. Uh, what was your dad's relationship like with his dad? Um, dad moved out when he was real young. He was. Uh,
2: I don't remember how young. I don't remember if it was eight years old or twelve years old. Jeez.
0: Okay. Like out. He moved out.
2: He moved. Yeah. He
0: was. Yeah. Like with his mom or no? Just, his mom. Like strict. Um,
2: was pretty much strict to where, from what I was told, if he came home from school dirty, he couldn't come inside. He had. To, he had to sleep outside.
0: How many siblings did he have?
2: His daddy and mama had, as far as I know, I, I really don't remember. I know there's him, mm-hmm. and then there's Mike, Elizabeth, James, and Elaine. So there's five of them, mm-hmm. but they didn't grow up in the same home together. Okay. Mike and uh, and Lucy, Aunt Lucy, I forgot about her. Aunt Lucy and Mike and them, they grew up Oh, Daddy was pretty much...
0: Do you know if he was, like, oldest or youngest, or?
2: Um, I want to think he was the oldest, but, I, like I said, I don't remember. Okay. I, I'm, I don't keep up with history and all that. <laughs> yeah. It's not, I mean, to me, it don't, they don't matter. It's just.
0: Well, I would say, that, like, the reason I'm asking that is because when I think about sharing my testimony, I always feel like I can't share it unless people hear your testimony because there's so much of your story that impacts my story because you're my dad so growing up like you have the largest impact on my life and I would say that most of the I'd give you a lot of the credit you and mom uh, a lot of the credit for the reason I am I the way I am today and so I feel like with like me trying to share your story I wanted to like paint a context or like the picture of what your family like was was like growing up who your dad was a little bit like as much as i mean he ain't here we can't interview him but just enough to to, i I guess start painting that picture
2: there's good things that he instilled at us he instilled for us to work hard when you're at work you're supposed to be working which they didn't have phones back then, but he would say at this point in time, you're not here to be on your phones, you're here to work. Yeah. And I take on that same mentality, is if someone hires you to do something, you're there to do a job that they've asked you to do. And your focus should be on that task or that job. Yeah. And to in today's society, you just see so many people everywhere you go. It don't matter where, if you're going to a drive-thru, whatever. They're... they're so enamored with their cell phones they can't do their job but they want more money by the hour negative mm-hmm. I mean I just I don't you have to work what you what you want to get
0: would you say that your relationship with your dad is more of like he was provider of the in the home or would you say that y'all were like uh, really close emotionally too? no up? we weren't close emotionally at all I,
2: I don't think it was in that family at all as far as, okay, I love you, son. I love you, mom. I love you, dad. It, we wasn't a Brady Bunch. Like, yeah. By far.
0: But, I mean. I would think you'd say, I knew my dad loved me, even though he didn't say it, because you, of how he provided or whatever. Exactly. But later in the years,
2: that's when he uh, softened up. And then, I mean. You could you could tell the difference. In.
0: What would you say was y'all's family's like a uh, relationship with God growing up? Did None. y'all go to
2: church? None. None. Um, we did go to uh, me and my brothers. I don't remember if sister did or not, but I know I know that me and my brothers did. I and mean, I would actually go to church with the neighbors. It was an old couple, Mister um, and Miss Hicks, and they lived right right beside us. And I would go over there and do stuff for them. And that's the why we was taught to help the elderly if you see somebody in need you need to help them yeah don't take nothing from them either that's how that's the things i like that daddy taught us as we grew up especially when we was young he taught us at a very young age as far as if you go over there and help them if you cut the grass don't take no money from them they're old yeah you're not supposed to take money from old people so i mean (laughs) yeah um so we would they would always try to give me money and stuff like that, and I would always just leave it in the couch, or something. Pretty much, most of the time, as far as I can remember. But uh, <laughs> I would—I went to church for them a couple of times, and then we had another church, um, that we went to vacation Bible school. But is
0: this, is this the one you would like ride your bikes to? Uh,
2: well, we'd ride our bikes everywhere. Um, we had one that was probably a little over a mile up the road which is a little Baptist church. And then you had another one that's a little bit further. And that's the one we went to the most because they actually run a bus. But, so let's set the picture in that. Um, how do churches affect non-believers? And this is how this is going to go. So you got a church bus that comes around. It's got teenagers on there. And you got a bus driver, okay, going around picking up kids. For VBS, but at the same time, those teenagers are actually throwing bottles at signs and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, so as someone that didn't know anything about God, and I'm like, okay, so you can still do all this stuff. <laughs> I mean, I don't see no difference in them and me. Yeah. We would do that stuff, and they would do that stuff. So, what's the difference? Why do I need to go to church? Yeah they're no different than i am they act the same so um and then the uh, the the old couple i went to church with them one time and i very distinctly remember this um we was at church and they was asking people i thought it had to be a sunday night or either wednesday night because i don't think he would do this in sunday morning um what they would ask the congregation which i didn't know what that was um What songs do you want to sing? So I'm fascinated. I mean, I was young. I was little, little, not even a teenager. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, okay, I like this song. So I'd raise my hand. Because they tell you, raise your hand up. You want that? Okay, I'll raise my hand up. I mean, I thought everybody did that, in which there was some people doing that. And that, I don't know if it's that particular day or another day I actually seen two people get baptized. And I went up there to... I asked the person I went to church with, I think it was Miss, that wasn't Miss Hicks. That was um, Mr. Miss Tidwell. That's who that was. That's who our neighbors was. Miss Hicks. Mr. Hicks was on up the other road. Um, but Mr. Tidwell and Miss Tidwell went with them and I asked her, I said, well, what is that? I want to do that right there. I didn't know what it was. Yeah. I have no earthly idea. So we'll go up there and of course the preacher says, okay, well, you're too young for this. So, okay, okay, so that just blew me. Why would I even have anything to do with a church? Yeah. When, especially now that I look back on it, how, how, how do you tell if someone's too young, I mean, at least take the time to take that child to the side and say, well, let me meet with you at the church, and let's talk about this a little bit. Yeah. Instead of just saying, okay, you're too young. Yeah. Okay, because then I'm going to say, okay, well, Bumpy, I won't be back at this church, <laughs> plain and simple. Yeah. So that's the mentality I had. I
0: just like, whatever. So did that cut your any uh, maybe potential of you becoming a Christian around that time off of like that encounter? It didn't help. It didn't help. You know what I mean? I, yeah. It, I ain't gonna say
2: that was the straw that broke the camel's back, but that was a thorn in the side per se.
0: And so then as you get older, when do you feel like you started uh, becoming like the wild Carl? Was that like, were you always the wild kid?
2: Always the wild or, kid. Okay. Always the wild kid. Okay. Always. Torture, What I mean, we were just wild kids, plain or something. Yeah. Um, I was more mischievous and stuff like
0: that. Were there ever it. moments when, as a kid growing up that you're like... Man, I really need to get my act together. No, or were you just like no. didn't
2: know? Didn't know what I was doing was wrong. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. You, if you're raised up in a church, then you're in some ways taught right from wrong. But when you're not, there's no wrong. I mean, there is, there is, there is a few wrongs, but
0: you really don't understand the right and the wrong. So was it like your dad? uh I guess the values he instilled in y'all growing up more had to do with uh just your work ethic like be a good worker and treat oh, right. the elderly good provide yeah but whatever happens outside of that like um I mean because I I
2: feel like in the back of our mind and I'm talking about in the back of our mind as me and my brothers yeah we was always together um as when we were little um we probably did think about it you know, that's probably wrong. Right you know what? That was only for a split second. Yeah. That we would even think that it could possibly be wrong. So I mean, if you're around the drinking and stuff like, I don't see no everybody. They do it all the time. When did you first start drinking? Uh, we would we would if I want to be really technical about it, whenever um, we went to Vacation Bible School. We was young, like I said, a little, little, not even teenagers. Um, Daddy had beer in the back of his truck in the cooler. We uh, we knew that. So, we're okay, let's drink a beer before we go to church. But we didn't know that it was church or whatever. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, we just drank it. Because it, was, it wasn't beer to us. It was, but at the same time, it was, it was, was no different than a, a Sprite. Yeah. You know what I mean? There was no difference in it. Yeah. We didn't
0: see any difference in it at all. Did your mom ever, like, Get a little worried about that? Like, was she ever like, oh God, like, the alcohol is too normal in our household? Or I, I think it's just something that this
2: was never thought of, thought upon. You know what I mean? It was just yeah. that was ordinary life.
0: Did you know of the idea of like alcoholics that being an issue for people growing up? Or no, no, no. Okay. And so as you get in, like, what you dropped out in 10th grade. Correct. Uh, High school, middle school, what did that look like for you? Because with with the dropping out of school, I would assume you didn't love school and you didn't really. You you, you weren't like, you definitely weren't the A student, I'm assuming, but you also definitely weren't like, I'm like, I got the good citizenship award. I I did get it a couple times. (laughs) Um,
2: But uh, the grades, I just didn't. It wasn't that I couldn't do the work. Because for, bef, before I, in elementary school, I think ours was from one to six. It might have been one to seven grades mm-hmm. at WB Redden, And they changed it to where it goes seventh, eighth, and ninth, or seventh and eighth, or something like that. I can't remember exactly. So I graded, graduated elementary school along with my little brother he was in one grade I was in another grade but because of that's the year they chose to split it yeah and move it up to that certain grade to middle school which I think is seventh grade yeah I mean I I could do the work I just was easily bored once I could do it and I knew I could do it I was done with it so any other test or any other work that pertained to that particular subject, I could care less about it. I could have made, yes, I could have made uh, straight A's. Yeah. But it would just. You weren't interested. You were not interested. <laughs> Graduated elementary school, 21F, so I think
0: you can only get 27 grades. Okay. And so, I mean, are you getting suspended a lot from school? Never
2: been suspended. Never, okay. Uh-uh. No, left school.
0: Now, wasn't there a story you pulled the fire alarm?
2: Yes, that was in high school. That was just wrong with whatever they say. Hey, uh, I, don't want, I don't want to go to this class. I was like, okay. So i just go pull the fire alarm. They wouldn't have to go to that class.
0: <laughs> okay, and so why don't you paint a picture of the school environment you were in? Um, Southwest is yeah.
2: where we went to school at, me and your mom. In Macon. In Macon. Um, I was just ahead of her by a couple years not many and but there was a lot of racial conflict yeah or I don't know why it was racial I mean to me it was like I was friends with black guys white guys I didn't care I mean I just didn't whatever mm-hmm. but I lived in Lizella, so I'm gonna be with the Lysella boys mm-hmm. and but I would still get along or have friends good friends that was, I don't know if they was in a gang or not, but whenever it come for gang fights, per se, um, they would be out there in that area. So Mm -hmm. I was just there coasting through, just trying to get out, plain and simple. Okay. As far as high school, I was just coasting through, trying to get out, whatever.
0: But were you getting in a lot of fights and stuff like that?
2: No, I didn't fight much at school. I really didn't. I mean, you always have little fights. head had fights in elementary school, blah, blah, blah. Um, I had a few fights, um, I think, in high school. I don't remember that part. No, I didn't start doing that, really, until I got out of high school. Okay. That's that's more when I got into
0: doing that. And, and you didn't know Mom? Like, you knew of her? Or? No, but didn't know nothing of her. Okay. So it was until after you dropped out? that you met mom, like that you heard about her or whatever?
2: I never, I never heard of her, never seen okay. her, never nothing. I was just sitting at the house, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to pick out me a wife. Let's see. So I grabbed my little brother's yearbook, and then I called my little cousin. Um, I think it was Diane or Cindy. I don't remember which one. I think it was Cindy. And I said, I'm going to pick out three girls out of the yearbook, and I want you to tell me if you know them. And then, if you know where they live at. She said, okay. So, I went through the yearbook. I think I went through the 11th and 12th grade. And Mm -hmm. I looked, and I was okay, I got three. And so, I asked her, I said, do you know these three people? She said, yes. I said, all right. What about, do you know where they live? Yeah, they live all in the same place. I said, are you kidding me? (laughs) No. I said, well, come by and pick me up. Or either I'll come get you, whatever. And I want to go meet them. So she come pick me up in her little Ford Escort GT that was white. Converter, uh, sunroof in it. And we went right around to Nikki's house first. So I just went up knocked on the door. I just want to see who you are. See you in person. See you in your yearbook. That was it. So then left there, went to um, Kim's. Not on her door, blah, blah, blah. Okay, cool. Then I went to your mom's door. Not on her door. Okay. Uh, hey, I'm Carl. Cindy is my cousin. Do you want to go for a ride with us? Yeah. So she went for a ride and that was it. No one told you stranger danger? I knew Cindy.
0: She knew Cindy. Me and her were really close. I just didn't know. Okay. Uh,
2: yeah. And she had actually had a date, I think, that night. And I called her every hour on the hour. Interrupting the date? Yeah, so there would be no date. <laughs> and she didn't he bailed out or she bailed out on him or something. I don't I don't remember, but either way, I mean.
0: Were you into like were you dating before that or No I never dated really.
2: <laughs> I really I mean, seriously, I really didn't never date.
0: You just dropping out that was just you got tired of school?
2: Randomness. Um, no, I didn't get tired of school at all. I loved, I mean, it was, to me, it was fun, you know. I How'd there. your parents react to that? Uh, Mama woke me up one day and said, hey, if you don't want to go to school, don't go to school. Go get you a job. I said, all right. So,
0: what became your job?
2: I did have a job while I went to school, and it was at, uh, a radiator shop. Okay. A friend of my daddy's, Frank Graham, um, he had a car lot slash radiator shop downtown Macon and I worked there and then I left there and I think I went to tried Burger King one time I tried Sonny's barbecue which was so good because I was always eating um, and then I got to framing houses and I stuck with it for a long
0: time okay what did you like working at the radiator shop oh yeah okay and then framing houses did you like that more than the ra- like being around cars or was it I
2: don't know man
0: that's hard to pick I
2: love mechanical I love the you know I love to build stuff period mm-hmm. so regardless if you're taking something apart and putting something back new no, you're still building it's in that building process yeah so houses is you got a stack of lumber you got to build a house so either way, um I think I like more the mechanical than the building of the houses.
0: did you feel like your interest was peaked with just manual labor compared like no, I like love, i i I like it too much, yeah, that's what I'm saying, like you weren't interested in school really like the like school work you're not a you're not a reader right I don't get that from you, no, I don't read, I read uh. Work. And so this is like you you getting your hands dirty, doing like physical, manual labor. That's where you're like, okay, I can get into this. This can – I enjoy this. Yeah. Because you are someone who like – you don't go to work just to pay bills. You go to work because you actually enjoy working. Yes. Is that something you'd say about your dad? Is that he like – he didn't just work to pay bills. He enjoyed working? Or yes, was he it, enjoyed – I feel like if I could ask him,
2: he would say he enjoyed working it wasn't about the money it was about
0: the work and so how was your relationship with your dad at this point in your life when you drop out and you start framing houses are y'all on good terms still or yeah yeah um
2: we had our ups and downs but we was for the most part we was pretty good until because there's the big climactic moment (laughs) um there was a point where we got in a disagreement, I mean, and he pulled out the shotgun, but it still, yes, I held bitterness or anger, but I'm never one to hold on to that for long anyway. Yeah. So, I think he held on it. We just couldn't come back together for a little while. We just needed a break. After that incident, we needed a break.
0: Would it have been like a year's long break or like just... Um.
2: I don't remember. I really don't. I don't think it was really, maybe it might have been a year. I don't know. I, I really don't remember. Uh, and are I, I don't even know if I was with your mama. Or yeah,
0: you, you okay. were. Okay. Uh, because you went and you lived with them for a while. Yeah. Yes, no, they, you got you got kicked out. You crashed at her. No, I never family's got kicked place out. For or not kicked out. You I left. Just left. Yes. Stayed at her family's place for but the see, night. But see, Mom and Dad and then, had already split up. Okay. No, that happened. Mama was
2: in Florida with Grandpa. Okay. That's, what, that's what it was. And it was me, my ex-brother-in-law, my sister, and my uncle, and I think Jerry was there. And him and my brother-in-law was arguing, and I just took both of them and set them down where they needed to be seated at, one on the couch and one back in the recliner and I walked outside and he just he didn't like that but I mean I I wasn't I had been at work all day in a hot sun didn't want to hear no bickering yeah and I just
0: y'all sit down and shut up I mean at this point is is your anger (laughs) is it do you feel like it's becoming more of a problem or was you just like are you raised in a house that's kind of more on the angry side and so it's just natural like our family's angry. We we're raised to be angry. We no, got anger. No, it wasn't like that. We, I mean, not I, like angry all the time, but like y'all, uh, y'all naturally maybe more having anger problems. No, I think it's something,
2: um, because Rome never got angry. Rome never got angry. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That was something after when I quit high school. That's when that pretty much. Took place as far as okay I like to fight okay so I'm just gonna say if somebody's picking on somebody then I'm gonna handle it for them and if somebody wants somebody to beat up they just give me some money and I'll do it for them whatever yeah so I mean I never really fought someone when I was angry Bloat out, angry. I, re- I really don't remember a time
0: where that really happened. When you left your parents, how was you? How were you feeling? Like, are you? I mean, you mentioned kind of feeling a, a kind of waste to your dad, but were you? It was kind of a go with the flow. Whatever, whatever
2: was going on, just go with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you go uptown and there's conflict get with it you know what I mean if there's drinking get with it if there's drugs get with it it would
0: just go with go with the flow that was the, pretty much um, did you feel like an outsider though like at that point like how did your siblings handle you leaving I like, do you do you feel like nobody there yeah but you left your 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 family's house there was nobody there
2: Mama had went to Florida. Okay, I think Jerry was on leave from the military. Ron was in the service. Okay, so I mean there wasn't nobody there really. Yeah, or or Jerry was fencing to go to service. I really don't remember exactly. Mm -hmm. I just know that I left. Uh, I think Donald and Uncle Mike we went and shot pool, and then I think I got. Yeah, I think I stayed at her, her house that night on the
0: couch. And then I think I moved in with Uncle Mike. So did you and Uncle Mike become super close then? Or was it more like No, I, I never I never got close with
2: anyone. Okay. Never. Never got close with anyone. And I think the reason is because I was
0: never showed that closeness yeah so i mean it's hard for you to sh- if you if you feel like you've never been loved before it's hard for you to then show that love because you're like i don't know what to show you i ain't i, mean, I ain't got it yeah
2: i mean i started very young i started doing whatever for yeah. whatever just to be the highlight yeah that day or whatever uh if it was peels, whatever somebody had. I bet you won't take this. Oh yeah, I will too. You know, so what this I mean? is where your competitive side comes in. But I was very competitive, as okay. far as wanting to be popular, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, wasn't, but I would do anything for attention, basically. Yeah. Okay. And then once I got into, because I was drinking and stuff, heavy drinking before I even met your mom, and doing drugs, so. Um, I just hid it from her for years um, the majority of it and then after we got married I still was framing houses and stuff so and then of course we moved to Lakeland yeah
0: so you you and mom get married you're like what 21 maybe 22 20 somewhere in there right 21 okay I, I don't know if i was quite 21 i don't remember i don't even
2: think i was legal no, I the okay okay yeah 21 then
0: yeah mom graduates no, i was going to be 21 yeah mom graduates high school oh. y'all have like a small wedding basically basically mainly friends or family yeah and then from there y'all are like we're going to lakeland why the heck lakeland mama was here okay so
2: your mom had already moved. Mom, back. Yeah, after the blow up with daddy and mama, or me and daddy, um, it was very. It wasn't too much longer that mama. She just come home when he
0: went to work. She just got her stuff and she left. Okay. So. And so you just moved here to get closer to mom. Yeah. Okay. And that lasted for like just a few months, right? I really I can't put time frames on stuff cuz I really don't remember. 6 months. Okay, we got mom here so she's helping like about okay. 6 months first time. So, yeah, about 6 months of first time. You stay here and you're are you working at Connell's at this point? No, I think I was helping Edward Golden with roofing.
2: Okay, so you're roofing and doing whatever else. I mean, just with nothing and around here.
0: Yeah. And then are you Do you like living here at this point? Yeah. Okay. So, Mom, she doesn't like living here. She was not fit for this. (laughs) She was a city girl. Okay. And then, y'all have Jessica around this time, too, right?
2: No. No. We didn't have have Jessica until a year after we got married. Okay. So, we was here for roughly six months. Okay. Okay. And then, we
0: moved back to Macon. Okay. Stayed there a little bit. Your mom then was like actually i kind of like the quietness and the small town let's go back there
2: yeah so we moved back for the the quietness it's just difficult to find a job i did work at condo cabinets for uh a few years Uh, and i enjoyed it you know what i mean i Mm -hmm. just i enjoyed it um and then that's when we had jessica and she was born in the adale hospital adale has a hospital yeah yeah
0: all right okay um what was what was that like what do you mean having your first kid um I don't know I just, were you scared were you like I don't know what I want to do
2: no I, I would just I, I wasn't scared I was just like okay um, make sure to pay bills <laughs> no I, I just I don't know it was a uh, I was more worried about your mama than I was about the baby because she had complications. During the pregnancy uh, or during the delivery or whatever, they broke her water. They shouldn't have broke her water, but either way, um, her blood pressure would jump up if certain people walked in the room, and if I walked in there, it would just go back back to calmness. So. Okay. And so. It was. I mean, it was just like I don't know the next phase in life. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean.
2: Say I ain't gonna say I was scared, I was just like, Okay, we got a baby. This is yeah,
0: this is a natural next step. Yeah. Um But in you're working at Connell's at this time or have you already started working at Thomas? Yeah, so I was working at Cornell Cabinets when Jessica was born. Yeah, we left again,
2: went back to Warner Robins, stayed there for a little while, we moved to Twiggs County. Once we lived there. Um, then eventually we did come back here. Um, all of y'all was born in this area.
0: Yeah. Um
2: and I worked for of Cabinets the second
0: time when I come back. And then I started working with Joy. Okay. And how are you how's the drinking during this time? <clears throat> I don't know. I had to quit it for a little while. And you, you weren't really a a partier. You're a, no, you are just No, you were a partier? Mm-hmm. I just... Okay, then I had the wrong impression. I always thought that you weren't really the party type, but that you were... I like the all the stuff yeah, that well, comes with the party. I really
2: didn't like... Uh, the only reason I like to go to bars is shoot pool. That was it. hmm I can't stand to be in a bar and drink because I get so hot. The, and just claustrophobic, and I can't stand people mm-hmm. to be upon me like that. So, if I, anytime I went to the bars, uh, me and a good friend of mine, we always shot pool together, which he's dead, um, we always shot pool together. Everywhere we go, we was just, we dominate, and <laughs> I loved that because I started that at a very young age, Daddy taught us, because he was good at it, and then he told us. He would take us to the bar when we was little, and the thing that I remember the most, and I always thought this should be a good commercial for Coke, is peanuts in a Coke bottle. You know nothing about that. That's before your no. time. <laughs> yeah. But um, that's something that he showed us. where he'd take us to the bar, he'd drink him a couple of beers, he'd get, uh, put quarters in a pool table, let us play games or whatever, and he always buys a Coke and a bag of peanuts. And he said, let me show you how you're supposed to do this. you supposed to put the peanuts in the Coke. And so.
0: Okay. And so you are a partier. And the drinking, is, are you bringing it to the house? Or are you keeping it separate from wife and kids? Or? I don't know if I ever brought it. it. Yes, while we was married with Jessica, uh,
2: when Jessica was a baby, I would have been gone for weeks, or maybe a month or two, just doing drugs and drinking. Okay. I mean, it was just, and that's why we left again and come back here. But it don't matter where you live at. Yeah. Um, if you want it, you can gonna find it. Because I found it in Lakeland. I found anywhere you go, you can find drugs. It ain't, <laughs> yeah. it ain't like it's hid. Yeah. nowadays Or even back then, he had nowhere. It's in broad daylight, so. Um, but I didn't drink that much here. I was more of, I think I done more drugs than I did drinking. When were you introduced to drugs? Um, like I said, I, I was little, <clears throat> like, um, I've seen people ever since I was growing up smoke pot. And stuff,
0: you know what I mean? So, um, so that would have been about as normal as the drinking, yeah. It was just normal stuff, like, okay, cool, okay, whatever. And so, when did you start graduating to the different levels of drugs? Um, I rode
2: down to the duck man's house and bought my first bag of weed on my own. Um, when I had my car, I don't remember how old I was, but I just rode down, hey man, I want some weed, okay. And we became friends pretty much, I mean, me and the guy. Um, and just, I think more in the construction. When I started framing houses, that's when you you see more stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as cocaine, um, which there was crystal meth back then too, but and people say that's the worst drug to ever be on and I will argue with them all day long because this is my reasoning behind that everybody's body reacts different to different things Mm -hmm. you like different foods than I like than what Berlin likes or what Dee likes, we all like different things um, and how it reacts to your body and that goes the same thing with Tylenol or Some medicines work for you, don't work for me. Yeah. They don't work for your mom. You know what I mean? It just... And it's a chemical reaction with your body and the chemical that you're putting in is different for every individual. Yeah. I mean... So, with the crystal meth, it was like, okay, this is doing nothing for me at all. Nothing. So, my poison would be cocaine. That was my drug of choice. Until... I got introduced to crack, and then that was it. That was the game changer. I don't care what—you could give me a truckload of anything, and then one small piece of crack, I would take that small piece of crack over anything else. Okay. And is
0: that like an everyday drug that you're doing? Or? Yes, I was
2: doing it every day. First, before I started doing that, we was—my uh, good friend that's already dead, uh, Mark— um, we was doing coke all the time. Every weekend. Yes. We was doing it, smoking weed and doing coke every weekend just about. So and then it got to the point where we was doing it during the week. Did and, that did that affect
0: work any or was it No, I always
2: went to work. Even if I come home, I remember coming in from partying all night, driving into the yard at mom and daddy's house, and the guy pulling in at the same time to pick me up for work and I just get out of one vehicle and go to the nation and go to work. Mm-hmm. You don't miss
0: work you don't miss work but no one ever was like hey man you, you need to talk about something <laughs> they know they were like i could
2: stay out all night okay and i like yeah. so you're
0: encouraged to do it oh
2: god yes okay yeah the people you work with framing houses oh uh, yeah they was doing it okay i mean i didn't know it at the time but then later recruit i mean they would do needles and stuff like that they'll hear across man i don't do needles i don't no i just that's one thing i did not do was do needles yeah um pills whatever give me any pill you want to give me give me any kind of marijuana coke crank crack i didn't care i do all of it um i didn't do the acid and stuff like i just like i just never like well, because no, that's stupid man why, yeah. why i want to do that <laughs> well, i want to put a needle in my on when i can just do a line yeah um, and and but i love the drink i did i love the drink I heard Miss Linda Bruce say one time that she don't know how people like drinking or could become alcoholics because of the taste is nasty. Everybody don't have that same taste though. Yeah. And I, I mean, the things that I like or love to eat, Are... y'all ain't. Your mama sure ain't because she's chicken nuggets and just now got her to eat a steak after thirty years. <laughs> um, I'm just kidding. But it took a long time to get her to eat. Other things, yeah, because that's what she was raised up on.
0: Be like coffee, like yeah. black coffee. Yeah, a lot of people think that's disgusting. And
2: that's the best thing there is. Why you want to mess up a good cup of coffee with sugar and milk? Yeah, or whatever else you put in it. So, yeah, I mean, I just uh, I loved the taste of it. I just, I, I just loved it.
0: And so, as you're raising Jessica, how much of I don't know, how how is the drugs and alcohol affecting you as a dad? Or were you, like, blanking out at that at point? I, it, it was a hit and miss. I mean, I regret that I wasn't there for her no
2: more than what I was because I was out in the picture a lot. I mean, I wasn't there much
0: at all, seriously. You're, you're there mainly maybe to, like, pay bills, make sure everything's Because not even bills. Okay.
2: <laughs> she had a job. I mean, I would just... You go on a binge, and you just it may be a week, maybe two weeks, maybe three weeks, maybe a month, maybe
0: two months, and nobody will see you. What me and Jessica are like six years apart. Yeah. Okay. So within that six years, though, mm-hmm. something drastic happened to the point to where because I am named after two of the guys who impacted your life the most. Yeah. So. Describe what what's what change happened, how it happened. Y'all, you weren't working with Joey yet. Yes. you were. Okay, yeah. so you were working with Joey. Yeah, the You're... last
2: time we left, one of um, I mean, I got pretty deep in it. I yeah. was I got pretty deep into the selling other drugs, and I was my best customer. Um, <laughs> but we left there to get away from it. I mean, cause I, I it got I got pretty bad then. So when, at, th- at this point you're you're like okay, I'm I'm going a little far. I didn't I wasn't thinking that you know what I mean. Okay, I gotta I gotta I gotta do what I gotta do to keep D. Okay. Okay, so we need to move. Maybe you know what I mean. I get Lakeland, I still know people down there. Yeah. I just won't do as much. Um, move back. Still done a little bit here. You know, even working at Connell Cabinet. Like I said, it don't matter where you go. You cannot
0: yeah. run. So moving down here is just keep D, keep the kid, but I'll just find a, a way to control this to the degree to where I don't lose them. Yeah, exactly. But I can still Pretty keep it in yeah, my yeah, life.
2: Yeah, So then um, I, wor- I was working at Condo Cabinets, living in one of his trailers, and I was still doing it then, even in that trailer. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, um, we went, and I started working with Joey. And then... We had to get out of that trailer. Right. I was no, no longer working with cool. yeah. So they just raised the rent up to where it was ridiculous. I'm like, okay, I'll just, I just won't pay you no rent. How about that? So And I didn't. And Joey helped us found a place right beside him, and we started going there. Or we moved there. Then I started working with him. And then it was a gradual, because we did come to church. You know what I mean? When Jessica was mm-hmm. little, I remember going to First Baptist Church in Lakeland. Jessica was acting up. I took her out on that front porch, and I chewed her behind. And then when I walk in, the preacher's like, hey, we could hear you out there. I was like, and? Yeah. I have no concept of church, so it don't matter to me. Uh, and Joey invited us to church a couple times, and that's when Austin was there, and I was like, you know what? I think I'm going invite, to let's, let's invite Austin over. Let's invite him to eat or something. I can't remember exactly how that played out. But um, we invited him to the huddle house to eat with us because I was wanting to join the church. I don't know all the politics of joining a church. Hey, you got to be saved, dummy. Yeah. Um, I'm just like, okay, we're going to join the church, whatever that means. So we get off and we go to the huddle house. And I don't even know if we had even ordered anything yet. I really don't remember that. I don't even remember eating, really. Um, I don't know if he would remember it. We're the same age within a month apart. Um, so I'm like, we want to join the church. He said, okay. Or you say, what is that? What do you mean? He said, do you got somewhere else we can go? Can we just go to your house? Said, yeah. So we go back to the house. And then he shares the gospel. Of course, Dave was already saved. So we invite him back over to the house, the little blue house on Boston. Um, and... That's where in that living room is where I sit with Christ.
0: Wait, so you you, sit, you go to ha- you eat lunch at house? No, we didn't even eat lunch. But y'all We went there. Yeah. But
2: because of the question that I raised
0: mm-hmm.
2: um about joining the church and he's like, Okay, uh you a member of a church, whatever the normal procedures yeah. are, you ask as a preacher, are mm-hmm. you saved? No, well, I don't know what are you talking about? What do you mean saved? Saved from what? So, okay, let's go back. Can we let's, can we go back to your house? Yeah, sure. So, then we go back to the house. And then that's when we have we have a little bit deeper conversation. Was about. Joey
0: there for that? No. So I, there I, was there wasn't a moment where Austin and Joey came knocking at your door? No. Okay. And so you accept Christ as your savior mm-hmm. in your living room. Mm-hmm. At this point, are you like, "Okay, I'm quitting cold turkey drugs and alcohol was heart, done. all that stuff."
2: Okay. Yeah, I had one of the biggest tests. I, t-
0: for me, it was one
2: of the biggest tests that there could ever be. Yeah. Because of the type of person I was. Um, we got into that church. And, of course, you want, you're you a new Christian, you're a new believer. You want to do everything. And it was like, I don't know, maybe you're down the road or something. I don't know. We were working with, probably helping with the youth or something. Like Victoria, they was little. And Heather Bowling, they was all teenagers. And I remember... Vic Dove and Ronald Dove was doing the rec department, and they asked me to as if I would come down there and help them out a little bit. So I said, okay, that's that's good, you know. I reckon that's what church people do, help out. So I went down to help out, and it was as far as I can remember, it's the first time they had football, rec football, in Lanier County, and the two teams that were playing each other one kid on the team was one pound overweight and it just blew up. I'm talking about people. I I remember one lady on the stand. She just, because she didn't like the other team because of the conflict, she just took her kid's football helmet and just hit a parent from the other team just for no reason. Mm -hmm. I mean, so, and there was a, but before that actually happened, um the kid and his parents, they were just cussing up a storm and I'm like, man this is you can't do this in front of all these kids. I mean in my mind, I'm thinking as a Christian now, okay, this is wrong. So I approached the kid and the parents. I said, okay, um if you could just lower your voice and not use the language that you're using, there's a lot of little kids out here. <clears throat> well, that didn't go over very well because about 30 of them just surrounded me, ready to jump me. Internally, I'm ready, okay, let's. we're swinging. we finish to swing. i will take out every one of each other. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, I gotta calm. I gotta keep my composure, act professional mm-hmm. as a rec department, whatever, Um, and that is not me no more there's too many people looking at me that I go to church with. So I can't do what I want to do. I got to do what I need to do. Yeah. And so I didn't do nothing at all. You know what I mean? I just like, okay, whatever. Even the police wouldn't even come in there and break up or anything. They was just so fresh. I'm like, you're kidding me. But either way, um, and that, to me, it was a big
0: test. Yeah. To see how I would react to conflict. To see if the change actually happened. Yeah. Did did you hear something in Austin's sermon that Sunday, or like what sparked it in you to want to give your life? To I choose? just seen
2: other people go join the church.
0: Okay. Yeah. And so you becoming a Christian was just I seen other people wanting to join the church. I seen other people join the church. Yeah. So okay,
2: let's join the church. I like this church. Still I don't know what nothing about it is. Yeah, but
0: like when you're sitting down in the living room with Austin. Yeah. What what sparked that change to be like, "Okay, I'm going to give my life to Jesus. I'm quitting the drugs and alcohol." He asked. And
2: I mean, it it was so simple. Really. It was It really was so simple. It was pretty much like, "Okay, um do you want to be saved?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want to be saved? Yeah. So he explained to me and I'm like, okay, that's what I want.
0: Yeah,
2: I don't want to go to hell. I mean, yeah. So that, yeah, this is what I want. It was just that simple. Now, no, I didn't know nothing about none of it. I didn't have a clue. But that's, to me, that's the, the glory of it. You don't have to know everything to be <laughs> saved, or to become a Christian. Yeah. You just gotta have that willingness and that faith. Yeah. When it's presented to you, because there was times other people. I mean, I had no respect for any person or persons or churches or anything, preacher, whatever. I'd make fun of them. You know what I mean? Because I didn't know what they was. I didn't know what it. I didn't know what it stood for. Yeah. So before that, I'm like, whatever. I'll knock him out too. I don't care. That was my mentality. Yeah. They was no different than anybody else in the world. Okay. So. With the people that was praying that I didn't know about, and then God speaking to my heart. It was just a matter of simple gospel. It was just a simple, hey, do you want to be saved? Yeah, what is it? Let me <laughs> explain it to you. Okay. And do you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. It was just that simple. Well, th- 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 this is my thing. Whenever I became saved, Did I run a good race? No. Why? Because I wasn't taught how to be a Christian.
0: Okay, so, yeah. That's what we need to get to. Now I'm tracking. Now you're tracking me. Okay. Because how it came off, and this would also maybe just be a difference between me and you, is in my mind, if like when I, growing up, heard, do you want to be saved and stuff like that, I'm asking a thousand questions. Why Why should I trust you know how to be safe? Like, what do you know? Like, give me your credentials. Yeah. But for you, it was, you had. It was something new that
2: was presented to me. Yeah. That's It's, it's like, okay, I've been a part of this group my whole life. Yeah. Drugs, alcohol, whatever. I am the man that they, you want something, come to Carl. Go to Carl. Yeah okay now I'm presented with a new group yeah and I think it was more of a growing knowledge yes I was saved in my living room
0: yes but you didn't understand the full effects that was that's a gonna growing happen.
2: experience yeah and th- this is the thing that's been very important <clears throat> and I think all churches really need to um, to do this or any individual once you get saved, it doesn't mean you just go to church and you do all the stuff that you're supposed to do as far as helping the kitchen, especially with homecoming, do the soundboard, I need you to do this, I need you to do that, because yeah. that will get you nowhere. Yeah. That will get you nowhere. That will get you back to where you was Yeah. before you became a Christian.
0: Those are all like exterior. We it, needed You needed someone to be like, okay, this is how we're going to deal with your interior. Of this is how we're gonna like. You need discipleship. Yeah, is what you need. You need a mentor, yeah. a discipleship.
2: I mean, because I can hang around anybody. I'll get along with anybody. Yeah, truly. I mean, really. I'm. Look at me. I'm yeah. a nice guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I really I, I don't have
0: enemies. I don't I don't yeah. I mean I just. So it was as as you're you're talking about it being like a a growing knowledge throughout your years of becoming a Christian what that even means it was the, what the church offered you at that point in time was we're going to help you look like play the part of being a Christian look the part we're going to sign you up to be a part like you're going to you're going to help be a de- uh, you're going to help be an usher and get the ties and the offering and all that stuff you're going to help with the sound booth you're going to get here early on sunday mornings and we're going to you know, keep you so busy you don't think about what yeah Really But really you needed someone to
2: be like, okay it it, it needs to be okay, let's slow down. We don't want to give him a we don't want him to do the Usher work. Yeah. We don't want him to do the soundboard. Well maybe Usher, he can take up money, he might take up money. Um but you don't want to overload a new Christian with stuff to try to distract
0: them from their former life. Yeah. They need to deal with their former life. They need
2: to deal with their former life before it comes back again. Yeah. Because if you just sweep it under the rug, okay, yeah. he saved. He's a new man. He's a new creation. All things are possible through Christ Jesus. Okay. Yeah, but I'm all I'm doing is running a rat race. All yeah. I'm doing is just coming up to church, doing stuff, doing stuff, doing stuff, doing stuff. There's nothing in here. Yeah. So there's nothing. If nothing, none of God's word is being applied.
0: Yeah. Then nothing's going to come out. So you're saved, you're not really discipled and shown like, okay, this is how you're going to become more like Jesus in every part of your life. Instead, it's, we're going to make you look the part. And eventually that catches up with you.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: And so when it catches up with you... um, Or first, I, you become a Christian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It, it caught up with me. Yeah, but first, you became a Christian. Yes. How does that... Because then I come... Not too long after that. That's right. How does that affect you, your view on being a dad? Does that push you to be, like, more present compared to you being hit and miss I, before? Or was it, you, you're still, like, in the new stages, and you're like, I still don't know what it means to be a dad yet.
2: I mean, and you're, like, kind of. It's pick- kind of hard to explain. Um, I like work.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I am a workaholic. By far, love it. Yeah. Um and it like I said it's not about the money. I love being busy doing stuff, working and making other people
0: happy. Well, then the church just gave you a, another drug. Cuz if you love work and they just kept you busy, yeah, basically. I mean, <laughs>
2: but either way, even without drugs, yeah. physical work like a job to where you gotta pay your bills. I love work, period. Mm -hmm. I've always always been a hard worker. I feel like, anyway. Um, And I always push myself to the limit when I'm at work. Try to, for the most part. So, but anyway, anyway, um, yes, got saved in the living room, uh, started doing all the stuff that you're supposed to do Mm -hmm. in a church facility. And around the community, you got to set an example. Okay, I can talk like you're supposed to talk. I don't have to cuss. I don't have to drink. I don't have to smoke. I mean, whatever you want, I ain't got to fight. But there was no discipleship. Mm -hmm. So eventually, the old crept back in. And that's why I love um, there's a few verses in James. Chapter 1, verse 12, that I've always hung on to. Yeah, blessed is a man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say, when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted. When he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And that's what got me. It was the old, not necessarily necessarily the old Carl, but in a sense it might have been. You know what I mean? Um, That's been a long time ago. I think um, missing that old lifestyle. I mean, because you go over to church and you see, People there that you seen at the bar or doing drugs. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's the difference in them and me? They still doing it. Why can't I do it? Yeah. So, if they would have been, I feel like if they would have been a little bit more discipleship.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't blame anyone but myself. But I feel like if they would have been a little bit more discipline. Yeah. We'll say that. Um, then that's. When I fell back into the drugs, I don't think it would have happened if, if I would have had that discipline. Yeah. I mean, because I was picking up my Bible and reading and stuff like that, but th- there, there needs to be more. You yeah. got to teach the person.
0: Um. It's, it's I'm, a, I'm assuming this is kind of how, uh, maybe you're taught to fight temptation of like, it. This is just an example. You have like a lustful thought in your head and the church tells you, Okay, well just tell yourself to stop having lustful thoughts. So you just sit there and you say, Stop having lustful thoughts, stop having lustful thoughts, stop having lustful thought. Even though that doesn't do anything, that if anything makes it even worse. Because yeah. then you're just you're you're not replacing it. What what you need is you need to be taught how to take the the sinful thoughts that you are having Take on the heavenly thought, like the the Bible says, uh, "Think heavenly things."
1: Yeah, uh, well, the, the, that's the thing. Take it on,
0: wasn't it wasn't the, uh, me saying
2: you put uh, on don't have less of salt, don't have less of salt, don't have less of salt. Yeah. or it wasn't me saying don't drink, don't drink, don't drink. It was just a matter of you weren't told what to do. And in, instead, it, it, it just wasn't. Um, I wasn't showed how to have a personal relationship with Christ. So, when you go to church, and you read your Bible, and you may even pray some, mm-hmm. but there's a little bit more, it goes a little bit more deeper than that. Yeah. If you don't have that personal relationship, and what I mean, just time alone to wherever you can just meditate, which is something hard for me to do because I'm a, not to go 100 miles an hour anyway. <clears throat> it's hard for me to stop and slow down.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but when you don't do that, and I think um, Bible studies that are challenging you mm-hmm. helps. I mean, because your normal scriptures, I'm like, okay, I heard that. I mean, because come on. I have that same mentality as I did in school. Yeah. Okay, I know this. Okay, whatever. I'm done with it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so it needs to be... If I'm not learning from it, I'm not getting nothing from it. I've heard it, okay, I've heard that verse so many times. I mean, you can present it a thousand ways, and it still means the same thing because it means the same thing. Yeah. Um, But I just gradually um, just allowed the old to creep in, unaware that that it was happening. And I think that's what's the most important thing. You need to be on guard. And watch for that creeping in. Mm-hmm. You don't never know what's going to do it, what's going to set it off. Yeah. So So. I did, and I got back on drugs again.
0: Yeah. And this time it gets pretty, pretty bad. And you, you're going back and forth from Lakeland to Macon, right? Yeah. And at this point, Mom is stepping in. And she's like, okay, I don't want you around the kids. This is where my memories of you sleeping in the car come in. Right. Okay. Yeah, because she
2: didn't want me in the house, so I was like, "Well, I'll just sleep in a car." Yeah. Whatever. It didn't. I mean, it didn't bother me. Yeah. Sleep in a car. Whatever. I'm still at home. Um, but yeah, that was a pretty rough. bout ba- that was a. I actually overdosed three times in one night. During that, however long I was gone, I don't even remember. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I had done so much, I overdosed three times. Should have been dead. Should have been dead a long. I should have been dead a long time ago. I say that. But then, when you look at the creator, no, I shouldn't have been dead. Yeah. Because he has a plan. Yeah. So, um, then I got, I went to Elam Home,
0: Virginia. But the, this is where I've heard a little bit of the story, but I've never heard what was going on in your mind at this part of the story, is, I think y'all were going to Stockton Baptist at this point, maybe, or you, you had been to Stockton Baptist at this point, but you didn't go back to Southside.
3: We had, we were trying the local church at the road. We had just started going yeah.
0: to stop it. So, but the, this mom, she's had enough. She's like, I'm, I'm done with you. You're on your own. And you've been calling her like on and off that night constantly. Being like, come pick me up, come pick me up, whatever. And mom's like, I ain't picking you up. Get over it.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Fred, I got the story. I got the story. I got the story. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I went down there. I went back to Macon and went around. And, I mean, I didn't work. I didn't eat. All I did was drugs. Drugs. And then, I mean, I'm sitting in a car with a pistol Okay. I got to check the store so I can get some money. And I'll just shoot myself. I'll be that's probably best thing to do anyway and I just called Fred Twiggs because I had called your mama and she wouldn't answer my call so because I was thinking about suicide and she wouldn't answer my phone so okay well might as well just do this and be done with it I said well let me call Fred let me call Fred Twiggs so if Fred Twiggs wouldn't have answered his phone Mm-hmm. There's a 99.9% chance that I would have shot myself that day. Because yeah. I was needing someone to talk to. Yeah. And then I talked to him. And because I had nowhere to go. Even my best buddy, he's like, No, you got to go. I mean, he didn't even want to do with me. I had nowhere to go. No food. No nothing. So I'm pretty much homeless. And I called for a twigs, got back to Lakeland.
0: And. Yeah. It, what was your conversation with Fred Wiggs like? I
2: really, I, I really don't remember. I mean, it was basically, I need help. I need to get back. Yeah. So whatever it takes. Is
0: it at this point? I mean, cause part I, of the I, reason I, know,
2: I do know that your mama in Rome come and got me, and I, I, all I just, I just played on Yeah. Like, the whole family, I played the whole family because let me tell you what I did. I, I called mom, and said I want to come home. Let me throw a little bit here. Come on, and well, do not you come back home, son? Do you need money? I said, I ain't got no money. I, ain't, I I sold my car. You didn't want to see it. I sold my car. I need money. I need three hundred dollars to get my car back, so I can come back home. So she's okay. I'm gonna send Rome and D down there. Rome have the money. Get your car and get back. I said okay. So get back. So now I gotta go find my car wherever it's at. Don't know. Macon's a big place. So I go to where I sold it at. It ain't there. So I call the guy. I say, hey, man, I need my car back. I got your money. He's okay. Which wasn't no $300. That ain't, that ain't what I owed him. Um, so I meet up with him at the mall, I think. And then I had to drop them off back at his house. So I think Rome was following me. Cause I didn't want her to be around them people.
3: Yeah,
2: these, be stuck in a place then, these, I mean, you're talking about people, drug dealers. Yeah, All right, you don't need to be around these people. So, got rid of them. Of course, I bought more drugs with the extra money that I had, and then we got back to, to Marks, and come back to making. I mean, uh, Lakeland. Never made it to the house. Go back to making, And then that's when I actually called Fred Twiggs. That was the breaking point. That was the okay. point
0: to where, okay. So mom, the reason, like, Mom is like, I'm done is because she's already done this before. Yeah, she
2: made a trip down there, and they come got me, but I never, I followed them all the way back. And then I just ditched them.
0: Yeah. And so... With Fred Twiggs, it was, I'm genuinely, like... I'm out of it. I'm, yeah, I'm, I was. I was at the bottom. Yeah, there was no, no if and, but I was at the bottom. But the deal is right that if you come back, you got to clean up or get help or something. I don't remember. He
3: actually
0: initiated that. Um,
2: so got with Brother Austin and we he talked about the place called Elo Home. And
0: is, is this the point where you was it Brother Austin, Brother Mike? Like a, a group of them or whatever that got together, and like they are like, okay, we're going to figure out a game plan for how we're going to um, get you to Elam. I, like I Austin I don't remember had remember exactly how
2: it transpired. You know what right. I mean? M- my head wasn't right. So. Yeah. Well,
0: tell me. Well, come over here.
2: <laughs> well, you've already been on it, so you might as well come on.
3: As far as what he did everywhere else, I don't think. No, the reason I did not want him at home, we had been this route before. We realized life was really crazy and I couldn't do this. So the answering of the phone, the just leaving me alone, disappear, just go away. Fred, he had called our phone. Yes, that whole day, every time we went to answer the phone, y'all were there in the living room playing, trying to watch TV. The phone kept ringing. It was constantly having to hang up, ring, hang up, ring, hang up. We tried to keep it off the hook, but then we had my family trying to check on us, and it was it was a lot of trouble. And during the night, Fred Twiggs called because Daddy had spoken to him, and would I go get him? And when he got back, the deal was, with Fred, was he had to take everything. Take everything. He had to do everything he could to keep him from going anywhere until they could figure out a game plan. Daddy taught Brother Austin about Elam. Then he asked if the guys at church would come to the house, do the oil, pray for him, and all because there was a wait time to get him in and he wasn't in the shape to wait. Mm-hmm. We were being told like two weeks. Mm-hmm. It ended up being just a few days.
1: Mm
3: -hmm. Um,
2: Yes, I asked for Linda Bruce, Ted Wilkes, um, Austin Deloach, Joy Tomlinson.
1: Tim Watson was one
2: of them. Tim Watson was one of them.
3: Yeah. And he came, he literally did come home and he gave Fred all his belongings, like the important stuff. I had to sleep with the money and the key. To my car,
1: hmm.
3: he gave all of his possessions to Fred because Fred knew he couldn't give them back to him. Like
2: yeah, my whole car and everything, everything was in my car that I owned, and I just and give it so to Fred. He
3: had a couple of days at home that we all had to kind of maneuver around it, and then he willfully wanted to go to Elam, and we all sent him.
0: So, what was Elam like? Um,
2: I when I first walk in,
0: Elam is the like the rehab facility connected to Liberty University. Yeah, Thomas Road. Thomas Road. Oh, okay. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep.
2: Yeah. Um, a very good program. Recommend it to anyone. Probably the best thing I've ever did in my life. But I walk in. This is your room. Blah blah blah. This is the kitchen. They walk you through, show you and then there's a guy older guy and he comes under hey man what you in here for I said well it sure ain't for drinking not knowing that that's what he was in here for he's an alcoholic he can't handle but I had it I had I had to have that attitude you know what I mean Mm -hmm. get up out of my room I don't want to talk to you in other words and that's why I said it wasn't for drinking so you can leave the room Um. So that kind of, as I look back on that, that was kind of a sucker punch to him. You know what I mean with his rehabilitation. So he had a test. How was he going to handle that? Mm -hmm. He handled it pretty good, as far as I know. Um, You get in what you you get in what you put in. If you put nothing in, you get nothing out. So that place, you 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 wake up. You have your devotional, then you have breakfast, then you got to work. Different jobs, laundry, um, kitchen. There's some some of them done kitchen work. Some I was outside. I ain't doing no book, no paperwork. I'm outside. So we rake leaves. That's all we did was rake leaves. Um, But all throughout the day, uh, you had devotionals and stuff like that. Mm Mm-hmm. And you stayed in God's words and it was like a competition. I mean, me and the other guys was like we was trying to find just perfect little verses to kind of lift each other up. And I was like, Oh man, I found this one. Ooh, I found this and I did And uh it was it was I was totally different when I came back from that place. When I walked in I, I remember walking into the cabinet shop and I felt the presence I've got so strong in the Holy Spirit that I've never had that feeling since then. Even while I'm ripping wood up, I'm thanking Him, Lord. Look, I need this. I need this out of this. Mm-hmm. And as I'm ripping it up, I get that much out of that much wood. Yeah. So, um, just having a conversation with Him, nonstop for the longest time and then you know I mean you get tested right when you get out I'm home they ask for a hundred dollar deposit I think that's what it is I can't remember and that's your get out of my building money mm-hmm. you don't go by the rules they're gonna take a hundred dollars and they are gonna get you out of their building they're gonna put you on a bus that'll get you about anywhere so that's why they do that if you don't cooperate, they're gonna put you on the bus right back where you come from, and they ain't gonna deal with you. They're they're there for people that won't help. Mm-hmm. So um I get dropped off at the bus station. They ain't gonna sit up there with you. Yeah, you, they're not your babysitters. So I mean, right across street they're doing drugs and everything else. You know what I mean? I'm like, whatever. It didn't bother. It didn't bother me. You know what I mean? I was so much on this spiritual high that nothing affected me. Nothing would affect me. The bus ride, whatever, nothing, nobody. So, come back home, start doing church again, that's when we started working with uh, the youth at Stockton, and we left there because of, uh, I just didn't agree with what they believed, and so I I didn't see where it would be beneficial to continue to stay at that church whenever I believe something Totally different from what they believe. Yeah, and it's just—it ain't a nothing that's going to se- separate you from heaven and hell. Yeah, it's just a Sad, theology yeah. thing. So it ain't no, it is big, but it ain't that big. Um, so then we left there. We went back to Southside. I don't know. We just
0: didn't. What became? What would you say was the difference between how you view God at 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 that point versus how you viewed him as a kid? I didn't view him as a kid. I didn't, I didn't know him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even
2: though I went to vacation Bible school, I wasn't there. I wasn't listening. I wasn't paying attention to nothing they had to say about anything, about any anything.
0: Yeah.
2: I was there to get the little snacks and to make crafts. Mm-hmm. Everything else I tuned out. God hadn't given me ears to hear yet. Yeah. So I couldn't hear it. Until you have the ears to hear, you're not going to hear nothing no one says.
0: And so what, what's your view of God now?
2: Um, merciful. I mean, he is the creator. There is no other. Jesus Christ is the son of God that came and sacrificed his self. Or, excuse me, God sacrificed his son for us.
0: So, um. What would you say has been your toughest struggle over the years following Jesus? What would
2: be my toughest struggle? Yeah. I mean, stay in the course. I mean, look at Paul. Yeah. he was always doing stupid stuff and I mean but this last time yeah I was in church we was teaching the youth again back at Stockton and I let the busyness get to me so I was trying to do too much at one time because I go to work at Friday night I go to work at I can't even remember what time I went to work probably 3.30 get off at 6.30 or 6 o'clock in the morning Mm mm-hmm I do that on Friday. So Saturday when I went in at 3.30, get off Sunday morning at 6, come home, go to Sunday school, go to church, then go back to work again. So from Saturday to Monday, I didn't sleep. Maybe a couple hours at the most but because I had church to go to. So I couldn't sleep. Why? Why would I go to sleep when I mean I just had to get right back up. So from Saturday, from the time I got up Saturday morning, I was up until I went back to bed Monday morning because of that's just the way I worked, and I wasn't going to miss church. Yeah. But the busyness got to me. um That's uh, once again, if you're not putting nothing in, you're not getting nothing out of God's word. Yeah. So that's when the old creeps in, and uh. But it's now the thing that I face with now would be I don't feel like I can be a part of the church as far as a ministry or anything. Yeah. I feel like I've blown all credibility beyond repair. And nobody knows that. You, you know that now. They, they know whoever's listening to this thing. since so will know it. <laughs> but your mama knows it because I've told her. Yeah. And I've told Brother Austin. I so said, I feel like I've lost all credibility. I don't think there's anything I can do to get it back. I mean, because this last time when I left, yeah, and I was gone for however many what a two, couple of two weeks, three weeks, whatever.
0: I don't know. I, I, that, I really yeah. don't
2: remember. But I remember I was so mad mm-hmm. that your mom would not answer that phone, and that's all I wanted Monday morning was her answer that phone. Yeah. I went out, and I took my... Uh, I was in the shop working on my computer i stuck it in my bag i throwed it over there at the supervisor with phone and all in it i said i'm gone i walked out tube to my truck i grabbed my glock and i pulled the chamber back put a bullet in there and i was fixing to shoot myself right of my truck at home depot but i said nope i ain't gonna do it here i don't want to cause any interference with their work yeah I mean, it was so, it was like walking on eggshells, that's how close it was. And then I got, when I got to the house, I grabbed my guns, I put them in the grill. Y'all didn't know it. Y'all knew I was there, mm-hmm. but y'all didn't know what I did. I'd already took my guns, took my clips out, took all the bullets out, put them in the grill. Then that's when the law brought up. Y'all, you and Daniel were leaving. Yeah, and I was trying to catch y'all to take my guns and hide them you know what I mean so the cops don't get them but cause I don't like to lose stuff you know what I mean I work hard for everything I've gotten I yeah. had nothing when I got married y'all don't understand we had nothing yeah we had nothing we didn't have handouts yeah we didn't I mean of course mama helped us along and along with the electric bill or whatever It's her place that we lived in so as far as rent but we didn't that was just we just did our own thing mm-hmm. so you know maybe if we would have been around different people growing up showing us how to be parents maybe it would have been different yeah yeah you know, who knows you yeah. know what i mean that's water under the bridge it's gone you can't get it back yeah so you know every fall was different yeah
3: like this ball had different elements yeah, but it also had different reasons. Like
2: you know, it all boiled down to the same
0: thing. But, but an addiction, yeah,
2: your former lust. Reasons got to it because we were
3: out of you were not really in church for that last year because COVID had hit.
2: Yeah, yeah, COVID church hit. Closed down. I mean, I I remember calling Austin Deloach and saying, "Man, there's so many people that's gonna quit going to church and fall away from God, just because of this stupid COVID." Yeah. He's on yeah, I said, man, I, I can't do it. I got to stay with him. And then I'm, bam. I'm the one that fell away. Yeah. And then i like, I'm like,
0: goodness gracious. And. So what was it like coming back? Coming back. To. Yourself. You lost yourself. So. Um. I mean. I know it wasn't easy, but. It's not a, a failure story. By I mean, it was means. it was
2: this this time was different. This was really, I mean, this one hit me pretty hard. We I know that. I mean, people just don't realize if I would have run into anyone, yeah, that would have crossed me that night that I put that video on Facebook. Yeah, I'd, I'd be in prison right now for murder.
0: Yeah. But what? How did God change this moment? How did he how did he save you?
2: I mean, he he didn't allow me to pull the trigger.
0: Yeah. I mean, seriously, that's because
2: you I mean people just don't realize how close it could have been, very easy. Yeah. If it wasn't for me thinking about a company, why I don't know. Because I'm serious, as soon as I got my truck, I grabbed it, made sure it was in there, then I said, nope, I ain't gonna do it here. I mean, it, just a split-second decision yeah. would have made a difference. But um went to Cuckoo House. Uh, once I got back when, you know, they wanted me to go up there to the hospital yeah. when the sheriff picked me up, whatever. And then they want to take me to Greenleaf. Okay, whatever. That's Cuckoo House what I call it. Because um, even in there, I'm like, they're, they're telling you this stuff. I said, like, no, that ain't how you get fixed. I said that ain't the no one way to get fixed. I say you, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and if you don't have faith in Him and trust in Him and have a relation with Him, all this you're doing in here is going to mean nothing. Period. Yeah. So they're trying to give you medicine to help you get off of drugs or alcohol or whatever. I said, no, I don't do that. I don't. I don't need that. You know what I mean? So of course they didn't like me to begin with. Yeah. Because I'm not. I'm not going to play their games or go by their rules. Um. And then once I got out. But that's the only, you know, the only way I would have went in there. And I, I told y'all when the sheriff was there, you know what I mean? I'm not going unless somebody goes with me. Yeah. I know it's your mom. I'm not going. I wouldn't have went. That would have been a battle in that yard for them to try to get me to go. So, got in there. I just pretty much stayed at myself. You know what I mean? Get my food. Let me eat. Let me go back to my room. Let me watch TV. I don't, I, didn't, I wasn't there to make friends, didn't care for it, didn't, I didn't talk to nobody. Very seldom did I talk to somebody. I wasn't there for them. Mm-hmm. I wasn't there for me either, because that wasn't, that didn't do nothing, I mean seriously. Quitting drinking drugs, alcohol, whatever is a mind game, that's the way I look at it. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, I was on drugs for years and years and years and years and years. I got saved, I quit drugs. It's a mind game. hmm So, if you want to quit, you can quit. That's the way I look at it. Some people, it may take for them to have pouches and drugs, but I don't think you need to rely on drugs to get you off of drugs or alcohol. That don't make, that, don't, that ain't even good common sense there. Yeah. So, I've, I've never been big on that. Got out of there. Of course, we had a good breakfast at, I think it was good at Denny's. hmm Um, started going back to church. Did anyone? Yep. At Stockton? No, I didn't think we went back to Stockton. Yeah, we went to Cornerstone. I'm like, okay, I need to get back to church. So I I need to find, I would just try Cornerstone. Mm -hmm. I've always loved the way Austin preaches. Austin does, to me, he's an awesome preacher. He does a good job at breaking it down to where you understand it. So, to, to me, that's home. But, Right now, at this moment, I don't feel like it's home. Yeah. I don't think that's where I need to be at. I don't know where. I mean, because I've mentioned your mom a couple times, well, I think we need to move. I think we need to move out of the city. I think I've lost all credibility to be able to redeem myself, which I can't. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just that's just my thoughts and theories.
0: I don't agree with that because
2: I like I love I love reaching people I love yeah to be able to preach God's word even Steve from started the Baptist Church he's like he told your mama he's like, I can tell you what's wrong he ain't, he's running he's running from God he's supposed to be a preacher and he's running from God yeah and
0: I'm like okay yeah. I'm going to wrap the episode up because we're almost at two hours. Sweet. But I'm hungry. I would say the reason I even wanted to record the podcast with you and share your story because I don't think you lost credibility at all. I I would say I was one of the ones most affected by the last one because, in a lot of ways, I was having to grab everybody and make sure they're okay. And whether Jessica or Daniel or whoever in our lives who's seen everything go down really understands, like, the miracle that happened, Ask someone most affected by it, I'd say it gave you even more credibility to speak about God's saving work. Because God doesn't save. I feel like a lot of times... What happens with testimonies is people get get up. I, I grew up going to brotherhood every freaking month, and you'd hear the same testimonies. Someone gets they 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 tell their worst moments in life. Mm-hmm. God saves them. And Then they usually stop the testimony there because they don't ever talk about what happens after that. Yeah. What your testimony shows is, yeah, it's not going to be all freaking peaches and cream afterwards. Mm-mm. Every single one of us. I, I think it, it goes back to one of the things you said earlier on is no one discipled you really. No. You, you didn't you you were saved and they're kind of like, all right, good luck. And, yeah, and that's usually how it goes from what I And can what see. your story I feel like shines a light on is not only is there a need for discipleship, but that even when discipleship fails, God's not going to fail. Because every time you you relapsed or every time you fell back or you got too busy or whatever you think discredits you God comes back in and it's the reason why I'm still a Christian today and it's the reason I became a Christian to begin with was sitting on the pew and me looking at a church full of people that I'm like you guys all suck I, I you raised me Right by your side, taking me every Sunday morning, stupid early, to go and set up the church, and you you raised me going to the block parties, and the block parties you put together where we'd go to people's houses and we just like bust in and like we we become part of their family, and I, I grew up right by your side watching you do all these things, uh, and. it was seeing God's effect on your life over the long call, over the years. The years of the up and down. The years of, I, I know my dad's got anger issues, but I also know my dad can say I love you to me. And it's that, that I feel like gives you the most credit, because the day that I gave my life to Jesus, it was, I, I remember that Sunday morning, getting up, we go to middle school, I I, no, I got up, and I'm struggling with depression, and I'm ready to end it. And I tell God, I'm like, you get, you got to do something today because I, I don't have much more in me to keep coming back to this church, to keep doing all those things. I'm like, now I know I'm probably going to have to come to church because my parents ain't going to let me not, <laughs> but I ain't going to enjoy it. And I go to middle school, Sunday school class, and I dread it. I'm like, he ain't done nothing. He's He's got maybe an hour left. He's got to do something. And then I go into the sanctuary, and I sit on our pew, but I sit on the far end, away from the family. I'm in my own world. Austin preaches something. Jeff sings something. I don't know what either one of them were because I wasn't paying attention. But I remember wrestling with God on whether he actually is real and whether he actually exists. And then... It wasn't the sermon, and it wasn't the music, it wasn't the service at all. It was God putting in my thoughts to turn and look at the end of the aisle and see my dad. And remember all those stories I heard growing up about how crazy my dad was. And then that is what saved me. That's when I was like, I don't know where God is at in any of these other hypocrites' lives. But I know God was in my dad's life. And that's enough of a sign to show that he is he's real and he's present and he loves he loves not only me, but he loves my dad because he saved the man who was unsavable in everyone else's eyes. And then time and time again over the years. Of we I don't think we've had like the easiest relationship because I'm like the awkward, autistic, maybe kid of me and you have we have polar different likes and dislikes. You like cars. You like you like working on things. <laughs> <And> <laughs> you watch you you watch car shows, and I watch. Like yeah, The Office and Scooby Doo. Yeah. And granted, we did we did watch like Scooby and stuff growing up together, and those moments like heavily stick with me. But we are like two very different people I don't think we're really very different
2: um, because I love building things you love building things with cabinets I love doing cabinets
0: yeah I mean because I'm very nitpicky about well this is what I'm getting to is where we're very different like it it can divide us but then just about everything that's involved in my life comes back to you and back to God's work in your life of one of the reasons I, when I, I prayed the prayer type of prayers I did this last go around with you, was because I had seen God constantly show up. Of I remember being the kid when you'd you'd storm off out the house and you you get in your car and you 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 turn you burn the wheels or whatever and you you, you speed <laughs> off and me running after you, crying saying I want my dad back. And standing there on that concrete slab, praying to God, just bring him back home. And it wouldn't be till years and years later that I I look back and I'm like, he did come back home. Like, I wasn't allowed to go see him because he was sleeping in that car, but God brought him back home. And it was me being reminded of every time that God showed up, even when I wasn't even paying attention to it, that this last go around, when you left, you left. I was like, "No, nah, God's coming. God's gonna work in him. Now He might strip him and take everything away from him in order to get His attention. And I'll pray that God does whatever He has to do. But I know my God, and I know my God's relationship with my dad, that He ain't giving up on him. And so then this last, this last battle, where maybe it seems like people have been like okay gotta count carl out because he he really destroyed it, this last one in my mind i'm like no it if anything it made it more real than ever because it just shows that god's got a continual faithfulness to his people and anybody who dare dare looks at you and says your story discredits you from ministry or from speaking up and sharing your story, hasn't l- first looked at themselves and realized how many times we all go back. To yeah, our I mean old because
2: that's something I, I could I could never do is live in repetitive sin after I got saved. Yeah. and still go to church. Yeah, that's one of the biggest things. That's always I'm like. <laughs> I see certain people in church. Has been in church their whole life, but what's in the closet that nobody knows that they do, and and probably some people do do. I mean, of course, people know because everything's I, I know. I'm like, yeah. okay, but how do you how do you continue to go to church and claim to be a Christian, but then you're still living in habitual sin that you see nothing wrong with. But if you open up God's Word, you'll see that there is something wrong with it. Yeah, And, I mean, mine was just for when I did it because, yeah, I did go to church, and I was drinking, but I wasn't drinking at church. I would drink on the weekend, but it wasn't for like months and months on end or years and years on end mm-hmm. or nothing like that. So it was like a hit and a miss even when I did the drugs it was like I, I didn't do it and go to church yeah it was, I mean come on man um, so uh, to me I don't know how individuals going to do that but that's just my way
0: of thinking I get that So to end this episode off, I wanted to kind of talk about the moment in the podcast where my dad says that he doesn't feel like his, he feels like he botched everything. Like whatever progress he made as a Christian at this last relapse, he feels like it just went all the way. He lost all credibility. Yeah. And he doesn't even really feel like he can get it back. And I wanted to address that because I feel like that's probably a lot more people than people would want to to admit. Like we,
1: a lot more people experience that.
0: Yeah, but they don't want to admit yeah. it. Yeah. Like they, like we. I I just spoke in youth about our testimony and how we each have a testimony. And at first, a lot of the kids were like, "Yeah, like I want to go like write down my testimony." But that, from what I've heard, a lot of them are struggling with it too because they're like, "Well, I don't." It's hard to share. Yeah, you're you're ashamed of the things that you've done or have been done to you, and so then you just you feel like it'd be easier to move off somewhere and share your testimony there because those people don't know you. I think part of that could be you want to move off because you don't have to address all the horrible stuff you did you're running yeah you're running away from your sin yeah your sin owning up to what you've done like people who you may have hurt or who may be like uh in your life and they're like yeah you're gonna have to do a little more to prove it to me that you've actually changed you want to run away from them because you're like well why can't you just accept it Mm
1: -hmm.
0: like you want that instant gratification but you can't actually have it, and so you want to move off and avoid that. But then, some people you you want to move off because you just want a new start completely. You want to be able to tell people about your past without having to still deal with some of those ramifications. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, because it's, like, it's, it's easy. like you're living in it still.
0: Yeah it's easier to look back at your sin and say it's in my past like look at me like i've changed than it is to be like no nah, like it's still around and like i'm still working through it and i haven't got it completely figured out i haven't got it all together yet that's hard because then people well they can just point it out and be like well austin you still throw a cuss word out every now and then <laughs> which yeah but I think that's the beautiful part of it is Jesus didn't call us to perfection he called us to holiness that just means being set apart and the way you're going to be set apart in your testimony is yeah like you're still messed up not everything's fixed yet and it it, it won't be this side of eternity and so you need to just embrace it like being a christian is this lifelong journey towards growing into being more like jesus and it doesn't happen overnight and instead of saying okay well i'm gonna wait to share my testimony until i have it all right until i've like earned it like that that i don't know opportunity to Mm
1: -hmm. it will never come yeah you'll die before
0: yeah and then you just think about well how many people needed to hear your story because you have the same story they do, and they don't think there's another option. They don't think there's another way to live. And so then just puts like, reality is, it's God's trying to use you, and you're just saying, well, I don't I don't think I'm ready, God, so, like, I know better than you. God's like, are you? Do you? <laughs> like, do you really know better than me?
1: What? I, don't, I was going to say you can cut this out if you need to, because I don't know if it'll make sense. But it's like if you're, like, halfway through a book— then you read the last chapter. Everything still happened in the book, but you can't make sense of it At the, just by reading the last page. Like I said, you can cut this
0: out. Like people need to hear the full story? Yeah. Is that what you're saying?
1: You can't skip. Yeah. Like, no matter what you skip in your story, it still happened. Like, mm-hmm. those last pages are still it made you who you know. are.
0: Yeah. Sorry. And, no, you're good. But there's that story in the Bible that I shared in youth group about how Jesus healed a man who had been demon possessed. Like he's in the he's living in the tombs. He's so strong he's breaking the chains that people would try to put on him to like contain him. And Jesus comes and he heals him and like casts the demons out to like a herd of pigs or whatever. And then that guy says, "Hey Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to go wherever you're going." He tries to get in the boat and Jesus says, "No." And you're like, why? That's not...
1: (laughs) And those people are scared of that man still and don't want to be around him. They don't want him there. Yeah. And Jesus is telling him to stay. But like,
0: yeah, Jesus is leaving because they seen, like they heard the story about what happened. They're seeing the evidence that Jesus has just changed this man's life and he's no longer demon-possessed. But then, like they're scared of the power that Jesus has then. And so then, they they're like Jesus, you got to get out of here. I don't want anything to do with you. And Jesus is like, okay, well, I'm gonna get in this boat and go, you know, to the next place. The demon possessed man comes in. He's like, I want to go with you. Jesus says no. And Jesus tells him, no. I need you to go back to your hometown. I need you to go like no. They're not listening to me. Like, you need to be my representative, basically.
1: Yeah, I have a note of what you're saying. From when you taught it, I said this man will be the only guy that can tell them about Jesus, even if he's being kicked out of his community. And then sometimes you're the only version of Jesus that people will see. Yeah.
0: And, you know, my dad's story, he talks about how he feels like he he, he blew his credibility. I, I I said it in the podcast, I, I disagree. I don't think he blew, he blew his credibility at all. Mm-mm. As the person who was a victim in that, that story, I would say my dad's story matters more now than ever because it's a it's a story we can all relate to. We all fall mm-hmm. back into our sin,
1: and it gives some re- reliability or yeah credibility 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 yeah because he's come back from it and he's grown. Yeah, if he wasn't growing, then maybe, but
0: no, like he's he's completely growing. Yeah. Like, I, I say it all the time. My dad says I love you now. <laughs> he didn't say that before. But in this last relapse, it brought us together in such a way, and it really broke him in such a way to where he let his guard down and he became more vulnerable and transparent. And I think that's what people probably need to hear more from in his life. Of They need to see the version of Carl that came out after this last one that is his guard's down. He's like, no, I Come, like uh, it, it's kind of like the whole Jesus thing of like Jesus telling Thomas, like come, like feel my scars,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like feel where I've been cut and beat up and bruised. like feel all that, so you can actually see how real it is. And I, th- I think my dad's kind of like in that place where people need to be around him, they need to see and hear him because they need to experience what actually happened. Like they needed to see the scars and feel it and touch it. And I I think that's where, in my opinion, that's why I wanted to share my dad's testimony was, I think people needed to, I think my dad needs to go back to his his hometown, Lakeland, (laughs) which is not technically his hometown, but he needs to go to his town and he needs to share what God did in his life. He needs to share the full, like unedited story. Because there's power in that and there's power in your testimony. Because it not only releases you of like any shame and guilt you have, but it also it can free other people of the shame and guilt they're facing right now because they're they're sent back and they're like like there's some people who have my dad's exact story but haven't experienced that freedom yet. And so the moment they hear Dad's story, they're like, "Oh, thing. Like I, 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 don't have to live like this. Mm-hmm. There's the other option." Um,
1: it makes you feel accepted.
0: Yeah. Because my dad's story is rough, so it, it is that whole saying Paul has of like, "I'm the worst of sinners." Like my dad, he he, he believes he's the worst of sinners, but God accepted him. Like God brought, still keeps him in the family. He's like the the rowdy kid that's like (laughs) banging on the tables and like throwing food, but he's still a part of the family. Like God didn't kick him out because God ain't kicking any of us out. Like we all we all have that story of being the rowdy kid at the table. I think when we are humble, we'll hear my dad's story and we'll recognize that we're we're the same we might not be struggling with addiction, we might not be relapsing like he is or struggling with whatever sin Carl is, but we have our own stories. We have our own pitfalls where we fall back in the sin that we've been fighting gears uh, to get away from. And so I wanted to just leave that as the encouragement and also say that my dad is the reason I do a lot of the things I do. It's because he instilled it in me of, like, I work at the shop because me coming with him to the cabinet shop as a kid left a huge impression on me. It was, like, the, the dream job that I didn't think I could do. Uh, me serving the church the way I do is because my dad brought me to church early to serve and to set things up. and He placed a high priority on, on being a part of the, the, the local body of believers because he actually saw the value in it. It wasn't the, yeah, we like we go to church as a family, but we only go on Sundays. It was, no, my dad would tell our basketball coach, we ain't coming up here on Sunday or Wednesday. We got things to do at the church. Like you can practice some other time. Uh, and that what that did was just set a priority in my life of, okay, for our family, church is a priority and like our faith is a priority above everything else um so yeah anything else okay thank y'all for listening and this is into the frame.